Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic. with everybody's audio this morning. Sarah, can you hear me? I can. Yay. That's what I get for, like, booking calls on top of calls on top of calls. <laughs> Hello, everyone. See, we're all here. It feels good. We are where we're supposed to be in the technology of working. This is Lisa, and I am here today with Sarah Normandin. Um, it's going to be a really good conversation. I think it's an important conversation because... We're going to talk about the fact that you're not that special <laughs> and, and in the best possible way. And I think Sarah is the expert on really helping us understand that everybody feels, everybody's sort of dealing with a similar set of insecurities and kind of a similar sort of illusion that they are the only one who is not pulling their shit together, like having having anxiety, all of that stuff, which is not true. It is an illusion. And, I mean, Sarah's just, she's a genius and has a specific really, I don't know, an easy way to talk about this subject. By the time we get finished with this conversation, you're going to feel better about how you're feeling. But before we start, Sarah, why don't you give us your bio, your background, tell us a little bit about what brings you to this work, and, yeah, let's get rolling. Sure. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been doing this work for about 12 years. I was probably like a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, And so I think, you know, what I really love about this work is that I kind of get where everyone is coming from. (laughs) So I really enjoy um, sitting down every day with other women and sort of going through all of our expectations about ourselves and why they suck. And I think it it is expectations, right? Let's let's talk about the expectations because mm-hmm. we've got we've all got I think really high and probably unrealistic expectations for ourselves. And I would say like consistent expect I don't know, like I can hit my peak performance some of the time. I can be like rocking right. my world and all of my laundry is folded and my bed is made every day and I have up in time to meditate and I'm like brilliant all day long and can put a gourmet dinner on the table. I can do that all in one day, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I certainly don't. Mm-hmm. I cannot. I'm not capable of rolling at my own level of my expectations for myself every day. I mean, I think we all share an addiction to really unrealistic expectations for ourselves. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Or yeah. People yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I think we, um, and it's gotten worse, I think, probably with social media, um, but um, mm-hmm. it's sort of, I think, maybe especially for women, this sort of impossible standard we're supposed to live up to. That like just you you can't do it, and I mean I see woman after woman every day, who their basic problem is they're not who they think they should be, you know, or 
or they're not successful in a way they think they should be. And I think, you know, that really leads to a conversation about redefining success and what success actually looks like. And it, is it just making a lot of money and having a clean house and um, weighing 110 pounds, and, you know, and going on three vacations a year? Is that what success is or, or is it something else? Do you think it's women? I mean, and I do think women, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think women are much more susceptible to this. But do you think this is a uniquely female conundrum? Do men do this the same way women do? Do they do it at all? I mean, like, is this a a woman problem more than it is a man problem in terms of these expectations? Because, I mean, I, you talk yeah, to men. So. Men yeah. talk about success a lot. Women talk mm-hmm. about it differently, but I mean, they've got standards. I just don't think they get all wound up about them. Like they measure themselves well, by their own success on the positive side of the scale when sometimes I think they're dropping the ball, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think because we're sort of still confused culturally about like what a woman's role is, whereas it used to be stay at home mom was sort of like, that was, you know, you got married, you were a stay-at-home mom, you had a nice house and a couple of kids, like that was, you know, that was what your life should be. Um, and nowadays, I think that we're supposed to do that and we're supposed to have a really great career and we're supposed to look amazing, you know, and run, you know, two marathons a year. And it, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it, 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 and I think, and even in my house with a very progressive husband, sort of a family household stuff still like I my brain is supposed to be the one that handles all of that and that's Mm. that's like another job on top of my other job and we're also supposed to be happy like I think that we (laughs) we, we're the product of the Oprah generation right like my mother had a great life she but I mean she was mostly she worked sometimes but she was mostly a stay-at-home mom she, like you said, take care of the kids, take care of the husbands, take care of the house and do the things, husband, singular, not plural. But I, she didn't actually, and it sounds weird to say this, right? But her life goal was never like happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment and reaching her potential. Like as women right now yeah. who are sort of daughters of the Oprah generation, I think a lot of people actually use the fact that they aren't fulfilled enough, they aren't present enough, they aren't happy enough by whatever standard that enoughness is to beat themselves up with also. So, I mean, there's like these added layers. I'm not keeping my house clean enough. I'm not following my diet well enough. I'm not doing well enough at work. I might be a shitty mother. But then there's this whole other thing where it's like, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not connected. I'm not spiritually engaged enough. It's there. There are a lot of standards by which we have to measure our enoughness. And I think that it just keeps getting more complicated generation after generation as we move on. And do you think that our mother's generation, maybe the generation before that even, do you think they even thought about whether or not they were happy very much? They just kind of went through it. That was good enough. I I don't think, (laughs) yeah, I don't think they had time. You know, I don't, and I also, I'm like, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think 
I don't know if it was like maybe when I hit my 30s, I started noticing all these slightly cringy, self-helpy things targeting sort of whatever we want to call like a middle-aged woman, right? Kind of this live your best life stuff that mm-hmm. seemed unobtainable in a way for a lot of people and never actually made me feel good. <laughs> Always was like, oh, no, something else to do. Um, but under, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, you know, now they're selling us wellness on top of everything else, right? <laughs> so, you know, right. you, you, now, we, now we have to buy our wellness. And, you know, where I, I guess in some ways, like, that, that sure is nice, like, that we're, that we're, maybe that's a more positive thing to sell us, but it's sort of still selling us something, pointing out something that's wrong with us. Right. Okay, so where do we start, right? Where do we start now that we've, mm-hmm. like, fully developed a very graphic picture <laughs> of how we're all actually feeling like we're failing. Where do we, where do we start <laughs> unraveling that, that ball? Like how do we start pulling the layers back from that? Because I think, you know, there is some comfort in knowing that I'm not the only person that feels like I'm not meeting my own benchmarks. I'm not the only person who may be having some shame because I'm not parenting as well as I want to, or, fill in the blanks, doing as well with my career as I might want to. But how do we start to like pull back from that and get, get more connected to the fact that we really are okay? Right. I think that's a lot about self-acceptance and that's a lot about not letting your mind um, engage in huge judgments or spin out when something goes quote unquote wrong. So when you have a bad day as a parent or you have a bad day at work or something where your mind decides this was a bad thing even, right? Like, let's say we don't really know, you know, things are mostly neutral, right? The, the really actual bad things, I mean, that's kind of up for debate, but you did something as a, as a mother you felt uncomfortable with, or you thought you could have done it better um, I think that's a really good time to engage in some inquiry around wh- why was that? Why do I think that's bad? Is there anything positive that could have come out of it? And I mean, honestly, who wants a perfect parent? I mean, <laughs> you'll never have to go to therapy then. It's true. It is true. And I mean, with that inquiry process, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about inquiry. Like, what kinds of what kinds of questions do we need to be asking ourselves regularly so that we're we're getting quality inquiry? I mean, the the quality of the questions is mm-hmm. going to determine the quality of the outcome here. So, what where do we? What do I need to be asking myself so that I can feel more connected to a sense of purpose and fulfillment and not be like overwrought with some sort of feeling of anxiety or it's, it's never going to be done. It's never going to be done. Like where, what is a sweet spot in terms of times of questions or types of questions? Hmm. I guess whenever I'm sort of having an anxious moment about, let's just say my house, let's say my house is dirty or it's in my, 
you know, to my standards, it's not what it should be, right? So for me, I would start to have those thoughts, maybe start to get a little anxious, maybe start to get, you know, start to blame someone (laughs) for why it's dirty or it's not picked up. And then I would start to backtrack from that and say, well, why do I want it to be cleaner? What, what does that mean about me in my mind if my house is cleaner? What, you know, and, you know, you can go that way. Then you can also go like, is it really that dirty? Is it possible that we can pick up later? Will I be okay? Um, If you work at home, you might be like, I need to go somewhere else to work because I can't work in this space right now. But to not let your mind spin out catastrophizing about something that's really probably not that important in the long run. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think the long run might be the key words there, right? Because what feels red hot, what feels like it is just incredibly important, what feels like maybe even the most important thing in any given moment may not matter five minutes, five hours, or five days from now at all. So, like, being able to step out of that and embrace this concept of the long run, is this going to matter to me later today? Is this going to matter to me tomorrow? When I look back on how I spent this summer with my child, is it going to matter to me that the house was a mess? Like, I think that that, in a lot of ways, the magic is that word, the long run. How How do we soothe ourselves into stepping out of the red hot moment and seeing a bigger picture? Right, right. A question I ask myself a lot is, on my deathbed, is this going to be something that's important to me? Am I going to think, wow, I did a great job keeping my house clean? (laughs) You know, or am I going to be like, wow, I spent a lot of quality time with my child, and that was amazing, and I'm so grateful for that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, from that perspective, I think the red-hot moment might be our enemy, I suspect another potential enemy, I'm going to use strong words, right, is the comparison-itis that we tend to do. And you referenced social yeah. media early, earlier. I mean, social media mm-hmm. is nothing but sort of a comparison right. fair. Um, but, I mean, how do we quit? How do we break that habit of comparing ourselves to what we think other people are experiencing? which we rarely actually have an accurate picture into what their lives are anyway, but we have a perception. We think somebody else is doing really well. How do we stop torturing ourselves with sort of the highlight reels of other people's lives? I think one of the reasons that I ended up doing the work I do is that I'm really fortunate to get to have a little peek inside the lives of a lot of different people. And what I realized Mm -hmm. over time is that we're, all essentially the same. Mostly everyone isn't very confident. If they are confident, often it's just covering up some deep-seated insecurities. And so I've I've had the privilege of seeing that what it looks like on the outside is often not what is on the inside. Mostly, maybe never. You know, our outside selves are really different often than our inside selves. Um, So I think it's really important to seek out social media representation would be one thing of, of real lives. Like, you know, there are people on social media who keep it real 
and find those people and then get rid of the other ones. You know, anyone, if you go on social media and you look at someone's post and it makes you feel bad about yourself, you should stop following that person. It's not good for you. Um, but then there's also some inquiry around, well, why does that make me feel bad about myself? You know, what is that, what's my trigger there? You know, where someone, um, you know, looks like they get a lot done, a lot more done than I do, you know? And I think it's things that I tell myself around that are like, well, that's, you know, their job maybe. Um, they might get a lot of stuff done because they have money to hire help. Um, they might have more family members who help them out. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons that someone might be super productive and that might have to do with their life situation, which might be different than yours. Um, so I think, you know, in the long run, it's, it's comparison is a really, I think I said this to someone yesterday, it's a really dangerous game to play because it always feels like you're losing or if you're winning, like, why do you need to win? I guess would be my question there. I think the the point about yeah, I, I I absolutely concur because I also get like a window into the back end of a lot of people's lives. And I know people who everybody, you know, when I say everybody in air quotes, right? But everybody thinks yep. they've got everything. Everybody thinks they've got it together. Yep. They've got the perfect house and the perfect husband and beautiful kids. And, you know, they might even laugh about themselves on social media every once in a while about a bad day, but they do that in like a really glamorous way. <laughs> and I mean, like, every, every, the, the perception is all as well and like totally got it together. And there are... N- there are no exceptions to this rule. Yeah, some of us are maybe higher functioning at some times in our lives than at other times, but it's never picture perfect all day long, every day. And we do all struggle with the very similar human experiences. And that tendency to want to measure ourselves by a standard that we're seeing in the media or that we see on social media or that we see in movies and TV, it creates almost, I call it like life dysmorphic disorder. I mean, it it is almost like you can no longer see yourself accurately when you are measuring yourself against standards that also aren't accurate. It creates a lot of confusion about what's real outside and inside. And you stop being able to see the things that are working well for you because you're like buried under this delusional set of lies about what you're seeing out there that you're not measuring up to. Does that make any sense? Kind of rambling, but you know what I'm saying, right? You know, know I love to ramble, Lisa. So, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I should get it in like the DSM, right? Life dysmorphic (laughs) disorder. I love that. that. Yeah. You know, and I also think um, some of us use comparison as an excuse to sort of like self-sabotage or not, not follow our dreams, not live the kind of life we want because we're like, well, I'll never be as good as that. Or they have all of that stuff and I will never have that. And I could never be like that. You know what I'm saying? And so that I think is the other dangerous part about comparison is, you know, we kind of use it to, to avoid being who we want to be. Right. 
And I think, I mean, we can talk about how leading into that a little bit, how comparisonitis feeds perfectionism. And I think perfectionism mm. is the freest mechanism in the lives of so many women. And that is a very, I think, female-centric sort of life experience. But perfectionism is not a motivating force. It is a, it's a freezing force that causes people to sort of freeze in place because they can't meet the yeah. standards of perfectionism. And comparisonitis is the fuel for perfectionism. So it, yeah, it, it rarely is as inspirational as you think it is when you start like shoveling in sort of that information into your brain to be motivated or inspired, if you can't grasp the reality that it's not, you're not seeing the whole picture. We're all fucked up. Right. 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 And I think, you know, it's like, I don't know. I always use exercise as an example, but for me, and I'm not like a really like active person, let's say, um, whenever I'm like, okay, like I got to exercise, right. You know, for me, the thing I would used to do is be like, hold these very lofty goals that were like absolutely unachievable. Like I could never exercise that much, you know, like that would, and then you would like try for like a couple of days, you'd be like totally sore. And you'd be like, I'm never doing that again. And that would be the end of the exercise program until you shamed yourself into trying it again and failing because like the you know, the bar is set too high. Like you, you, maybe you're only going to do 10 minutes, but you're not going to do two hours, you know? And so I think it just really it prohibits us from engaging in new things or in maybe new habits that we want to have. Um, it's just, it's, it's perfectionism is the worst. It's just the worst. Yeah, it is. So, okay. Like, Let's, if you want to, let's just say you've committed, right? You're going to unplug from all of that external bullshit that you're comparing yourself to. You're going uh-huh. to break your addiction to feeling like you're not enough or you haven't made enough progress. You're not keeping up, whatever. Like, where mm-hmm. do you find a place to land in your life to get some roots, to put some foundation down in your life in terms of being like fully present? If, if anybody ever can be, even that word's a little triggering. But, like, where do we start yep. to find meaning in our lives if we're not using enoughness or comparison as a measuring stick for how we're doing? Where, where should we be pointing our attention? Hmm. So this is kind of my favorite thing right now is is finding out. I think for years I had no idea what I really liked or enjoyed, I just knew what I should like and enjoy. And sometimes that overlapped and sometimes it definitely did not. And I never really listened to myself, I think, for a really long time. And then when I sort of got outside of my head and I realized what was going on and I realized that I kind of had to do things differently, I learned to start to wonder what I wanted. What did I want in my life? What did I want in my career and my relationship and my family? And, like, what do I like to do every day? What feels good to me, aside from what anyone else thinks should feel good, you know? So do I get up and eat three chocolate bars in the morning? Why not? If it feels good to me, <laughs> shouldn't be a problem. So, um, you know, do I go to the movies sometimes in the middle of the day? Why, yes, I do. 
you know, I started doing things that I wanted to when I could and when I could fit it in. And I was like, hell yeah, this feels good. I'm happier. I'm doing things I enjoy because I like them. Um, Not because I think I should. And it's really important. I think so many, and I work with women primarily. So, you know, so many women, they don't really, they do self-care, but they do it like what they think that should be. But to me, self-care is a lot about boundaries and it's a lot about listening to yourself. And so I think actually starting to tune in and figure out what's good for you and what's good for your energy and what, what doesn't deplete you, you know, what, what makes you feel better? You know, those are all really important things. Yeah. And there are questions that it is, they're, they're big questions. Is it, it is surprising how often women can't answer them. What makes you happy? You <laughs> right. can't name your children. What do you really enjoy doing? What, you know, when was the last time you delighted yourself? Like if you took yourself out for a date, where would you go? Like these are questions that I would say the majority of women can't answer. And when I'm saying that most women, when I say you cannot say your kids and I, but you have to answer the question, what makes you happy? And they can't answer that question. We have, we have a problem we need to address within ourselves and our communities. And yeah, yeah, I could ramble on about that. So, but I'm not going to, because we've got like two minutes left. So I want to give you (laughs) a minute for final thoughts and then tell everybody where to find you. Okay. Final thoughts. Um, Wow. I think we just all need to give ourselves a, a big break and really let ourselves off the hook and enjoy the one and only life we have right now. It's really important. And I think um, don't waste time. Don't waste time. You can start right away, like get right on it and do what you love and be with the people you love and enjoy your life. It's so important and it, and it can happen. It's totally doable. Um, I think that's it. And you can find me at Sarah. Don't waste time. Yeah. Um, and you can find me at sarahnormandon.com. Can you spell that? I sure can. It's S-A-R-A-H-N-O-R-M-A-N-D-I-N. Sarahnormandon.com and Sarah Normandon, you are one of my favorite people. And thank you for being here today. <laughs> Have a good one. Thank you. Bye.